Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of the As a 28-year-old hip-hop head, I'd like to still say that I'm somewhat young. So with this youth of mine, I haven't been able to witness many of the greatest movements or waves in hip-hop history firsthand. I wasn't even alive when Wu first jumped onto the scene. I could barely form sentences when Company Flow's debut album first dropped. But thankfully, that has not been the case with the wave that is Backwood Studios, and in particular, what today's guests in Billy Woods and Elucid have blessed listeners with. Because for over a decade now, I've been able to follow these two as they refine their craft and expand on their brand of phenomenally rich, creative, and thoughtful hip-hop music that scratches all of the itches I have in music. All of which is funneled into this style of rap that makes the term one-of-a-kind feel somehow too generic of a descriptor to properly capture what these two really do. So I'm very happy today to have Arm & Hammer on the show to discuss what makes their creative connection so special, the makings of one of the best albums I've ever heard, no hyperbole, in We Buy Diabetic Test Strips, and much, much more. The Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth artist interviews, album reviews, and general rap commentary on the best that the underground rap scene has to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. Woods Elucid, how are you guys doing today? Yo. Just got off tour. How's that been uh, treating you so far? Not bad. Had a great time out in the West Coast. I love the West Coast, Pacific Northwest, and LA. Uh, but it's good to be home. We're ready to get back out there again soon. Nice, nice. You guys have just been on a crazy run that is never really ceasing to to stop these days. Dating back to, I feel like when. Shrines drop, but especially from Haram onward, the amount of ears that have been tuned on to what you guys are doing, both as a group, but also as solo artists, has has really grown tremendously. And I'd like to start there and just kind of ask, like, how much of this success that you've experienced in the last, let's say, like three, four years has felt, you know, expected or according to plan versus being something that's just been completely unexpected and surprising to you? Uh, maybe a mix of both though you can't plan these things you can't really plan these things but in a crazy place in my head I always felt like I'm going to make something that people are going to pay attention to one day a lot of people are going to pay you know I, mm-hmm. that was a, you know it's the crazy dream in my head but you know I think I was focused and we were focused on really just doing the work man just like just making great music just making really dope music honest music and if people fucked with it then they resonated with it i guess i would say equal parts mostly mostly i i agree with Luce's assessment um but i would also say that i didn't 
guess there are multiple parts to it. On the one hand, it's like sometimes you look from the outside and it's like big leap, big leap. But there are like other little steps that happen in between that you saw. So it's like not as shocking. But then there will still be moments where you're like, oh, wow, that really happened. That's crazy, you know. And then at the same time, sometimes you realize, you know, you might be out doing things and you realize that even on the underground level, there's like so many levels that even level of success you've attained, you might be like, that's not touching what is happening over here. But that's okay. You know, I'm very thankful for it. And um, I guess to answer your question, I feel like things are deserved, but I expected very little. Interesting. And like, do you feel that the kind of level or amount, I guess you could say, of recognition artistically or commercially is something that you're you're feeling content with? Or are you just thinking like, man, this is just the start. I want more. Like I'm expecting more and I plan to get get even bigger in the future there's so much more to do i don't really concern myself that's like i guess that comes with making art or making things or doing things that a lot of people resonate like but that was never actually like first in my mind like the fame thing Mm -hmm. you know but i always want to make really dope shit and that that's i just feel like like i'm in a position now or i'm entering in a position or whatever I'm surrounded by geniuses, like literal artistic geniuses. I have people on that I can call friends and homies and collaborators that are willing to like work with me and listen to my ideas or work out new ideas with me. And I'm just in a place where it's just like, I feel like I can make so much, so much, (laughs) so Mm -hmm. much dope art, you know? And that's what I'm really excited. That's what excites me more than, than anything that's happening right now. I'm just like, being put in a position that I, you know, things that can be made right now, you know, maybe they'll they'll carry on way beyond I leave this earth for my kids, for my kids' kids, you know? It's just a, a really surreal feeling. Thinking about like and imagining like all the possibilities of, you know, in this position position that I'm in right now, if I make the right moves. So that's what consumes me more so than the recognition or or the fame. I guess that, you know, that comes with it. But I'm excited about the work, really. Yeah, the opportunities really feel infinite. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Completely. For me, it's, it, yeah, for me, it's about the, I really enjoy the process of creating and putting together things. And, um, and yeah, I do feel uh, excited about the opportunity to kind of continue to build a, a body of work that I think is impressive. You know, sometimes we do shows now and I'm like, man, we got a lot of songs, man. We got a lot. The discography is crazy. Songs. There's things where you're like, man, I, I would, can we throw this one in? And you're like, well, we'll have to move this or that. And so that's one of the things that has come as a result of us working together for so long and doing things doing dope stuff together and apart. Although not never really so, so far apart, but yeah, doing things together and apart to where you're like, oh, you could, you know, if I had all this stuff memorized and at my beck and call, we could do a totally different set list. Yeah. Probably three or four nights in a row and have have three or four really dope sets 
Yeah. Oh man, a hundred percent. Like the amount of songs that you guys don't play in your shows are like people's hall of fame shit. Like yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot yeah. of stuff. So um, and there's things where sometimes you're like, oh, you know, soft places haven't been done in like seven years. Other songs haven't been done in a long time. There's some. They're as good as anything that we've done. So. And then we also, I, I feel, but yeah, I feel optimistic about the opportunity to do new things. I always feel like, I feel very blessed that I do feel, although I could be wrong, but I feel with some confidence that our best work is still in front of us. Well, I agree. I mean, yeah. The evidence is showing that so far. I said that. Zimbabwe, Rhodesia, driving movie theater, Toyota Cresta, heavy metal speaker, don't kill the messenger, Henry Kissinger, my album's only feature. Xerox fees is a world passport, home where the hatred is, no mystery guard, all data lost, spirit roaming, beast first harlot at the garden, sucking tongue on the starlight, my six-headed bride, black on both sides, purge before birth, number four thirst. The happiest Africans, how I started my verse fly. And you know, like given the rise in popularity, one thing that naturally comes to any artist, particularly rappers and people in this space, is that you tend to, as you get bigger, attract more and more fans that, you know, aren't hip hop heads necessarily or aren't tapped into the cultural context uh, that your music is steeped in. And oftentimes these people are predominantly more white and more casual listeners of of rap and i know this kind of dynamic in the past has bothered other artists and particularly from the standpoint of music being in misinterpreted or just not understood whether it be those like specific nuances related to hip-hop culture or black culture or things like that so i'm wondering like what your feelings are towards this kind of dynamic with you know your music now hitting the list the, the ears of more people that aren't really part of the culture per se what do you feel about that i guess for me it hasn't had any i don't even know if that statement is true although it seems reasonable and then secondly it's had almost no effect on i mean i i don't know where i would encounter it the shows seem the same interesting it's always sort of a mix of people. Sometimes the same city will have a different mix of people. Mm-hmm. Different times that you come through. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, individual like sometimes there's an individual reviewer or something who I might have an opinion on their specific take. But overall, I, yeah, I'm not noticing anything really significant where all of a sudden you know it's like Swifties paying attention or something I don't know I don't know what I'd be <laughs> there hasn't there hasn't really been anything that's at least hit my personal radar or caused me to think any yeah I could kind of agree with that but I do understand what you're saying I've seen other artists flip out and have similar complaints but I don't think that's really kind of not in mass at least you know I had there's a few people and yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like I can ignore it, which is mostly what's because it's 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 inevitable. Yeah, you know, it's I'm not the first. I wouldn't be the first. We wouldn't be the first people to be kind of exoticized by someone 
or othered by someone who's not like of this culture. This is new thing. They don't understand the nuances of like what, you know, the references or whatever. That's, you know, it's bound to happen. It's natural. And yeah, you have two choices. You can correct it or you can ignore it. But I haven't really felt the need to uh, to correct it. Nothing's been so egregious yet, you know? Speaking for myself, I, I've always, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like have a home, you know what I mean? I don't, there's always stuff where I'm like, that's an interesting interpretation. And I feel like uh, there's so many cultures and experiences within the things that I do that to a certain extent, there's always been people whose interpretation sometimes I've found a little bit baffling or perhaps even I have not particularly, you know, there might be people who appreciate my music who have an interpretation of something where I'm like, I appreciate your appreciation, but I don't know where you got that or I don't like that that's what you're taking away, but yeah. uh, I don't, you know what I mean? You make you make the art and then it goes about and does its thing. Yeah. I have a right to have an opinion on it. Yeah, I created it, but I'm not like I always I can't control it. Yeah, it's like you're. It's like when your kids at a certain point, your kids go out in the world. You can't run out there and start fighting about what people think about your kid all the time. Like at a certain point, your kid is out an adult doing their own thing, and then somebody comes and is like, "Yo, I think your kid's an asshole." Who knows? Maybe they are where you're at. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't come to school with them. Maybe they are an asshole. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I have my own perspective. I do it. And I have my own perspective on it. And I also, it goes into the world and does what it does. Yeah, I mean, I feel like with your, the fan base that you guys have amassed i think because it's been developed so organically and not like you guys didn't just like blow up in a year i feel like that's made it lesser like i agree with what you guys are saying in the sense that even as a a consumer i don't really notice this a ton although i have started to notice it a bit in recent years like kind of just some odd baffling views of your music that just feels like you don't really understand what's going on here but I think because it's developed so organically, I feel like the energy that you've been getting from fans has been genuine and been like from people that have been there for longer than most artists can say, I'd say. Or even if they were new, people are, because we do get people who are like, I just found out about you through Atheops or I told Bestia mm-hmm. or Ram. But I don't, th- there definitely isn't, it's, yeah, it's not as though we blew up to some, or we haven't blown up yet, and it's not as though we've gotten to some point where just random people just like a single of yours or something. Yeah. The show with no idea of what it's about, like meme status or anything. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You guys are getting there, but I do agree with that in general. I'm waiting for all the haters. I'm waiting for everyone to be, I'm waiting for the, the day ones to be like, uh, Armin Hammer's not cool anymore. Everyone is else, everyone else is already. Yeah, that's that's funny. Them. I've been waiting for that too. I, <laughs> I've been I've been snooping in some servers, some like Twitter groups, and I haven't really seen that, luckily. So I, I can I can say that and people are waiting to hate on yeah. You know, yeah, it's one of those things that just sort of happens to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right. You just have to make the records, man. You just make the records. For real. You probably will suck. What probably will suck? You will probably suck? Anybody, sure, maybe. Potentially, at one point. (laughs) There's people right now who, I swear to God, I... Everything that they did was just electric and incredible. And then some people that last a long time, some people it's a short time. Some people are just really good for a long time and never manage that electric level, but kind of pile up a lot of really good. But it's hard to say that you're just going to, you know, hold lightning in your hands indefinitely. You can... a few people have and can do that, but it's definitely not easy. Yeah. So I want to kind of just get into your creative process a bit more now as a group. So, you know, there's a lot of artists out there who, for whatever reason, are individually great and can make great music by themselves. But when they link up with artists, it's not a guarantee that there's just some immediate chemistry and that, you know, these two really work together but with you guys that's definitely not the case the chemistry i feel is undeniable um i think there's just such a complementary style for like what you guys bring to the table and i wonder like how does working with the other push your rhymes or maybe your creativity or how you approach a track to new places and challenge you Mm, i think well i i can't i can't explain the chemistry I can't explain the chemistry. I do know that it's there. We both entered into like this relationship as artists, as Arm and Hammer, into Arm and Hammer, as I think pretty confident artists in our own in our own right. I know that I was, and at the time Woods was making history will absolve me. So that fire was like, I feel like Woods, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like, you know, that record there was kind of uh almost like a do or die moment yeah for you with rapping for sure yeah so you know with that you know when i heard when i met woods he was making that record so i immediately knew like this person was kind of on fire right now so you know just knowing that i'm meeting someone with that sort of energy um and knowing that i'm confident in my shit you know I, i'm a, i'm pretty good as a team player <laughs> Woods apparently is too, you know, with our chemistry, it worked out. So it's just like just hearing the output, just hearing what he has to say inspires me to like compliment it, attempt to top it, be in competition, just want to shoot the lights out with somebody. Like all that shit is really, you know, essential to me and like making the best sort of arm and hammer music. I feel like, uh, as I've said a lot of times before, the this collaboration has aided me in both an overall career perspective and as a solo artist because it's nice to be able to i can go do solo projects sometimes with differing levels of input from lucid and then there's always this other well to dip into so you don't have to worry about that while running dry. Like the challenge, <clears throat> there's a lot of artists who I'm like, wow, the challenge of constantly sitting down just by yourself and being like, <laughs> time to make a new album and somehow make it stand out from the last album. 
um, I'm lucky that I can sometimes be like, well, I'm just going to go make this album. And by virtue of it's just the mechanics of how to work, it'll stand out from whatever I'm doing. Yeah, I, I think something, Elusa, that you said as you first started speaking here was about uh, the history of Will Absolve Me moment. And I'm I'm reminded of something. I think it was from the Sonic Clock podcast. They did like a really cool, like deep dive into the the latest album. And one thing that I forget who, so apologies, someone on the show was saying about you elucid the way you were rapping on this latest album was that you were rapping with such a level of urgency and you could feel it in your voice. And why I bring that up is because I feel like something you two both share, but definitely express like differently, like aesthetically much differently is that urgency and that passion. And I feel like that must be such a, a catalyst to making such great music because you can just, you're just beside someone who's bearing it all, whether it be being super honest about something or being super bold with some kind of thought that they're putting forward and how they're being so creative on a, ra a record. I just imagine that would be such a inspiring kind of energy to be around. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely attracted to a particular type of intensity in a vocal whether it be rapping or, or singing or you know uh the intensity is is what the passion that's what grabs me first the spirit of it all grabs me first before i understand what you're saying um the spirit gets me first and then i can just take time and digest whatever it is that you're telling me but yeah it's uh were they saying that about me the urgency they were saying that about in you. my delivery on the new record yeah, in, yeah. Oh, yeah. tight. Oh, okay. That that you know, because it's you know, it's interesting to hear that that was not um, sort of the intention. And I think in the Arm and Hammer dynamic, sometimes I let that sort of upfront scream. Not, not, I'm, not, I'm never really screaming anymore, uh, but that type of intensity, that urgency. Sometimes I let that uh, stand out and be clear, and then sometimes. I let that fall back because Woods also does that. So sometimes it's, yeah. it's as as a group, you know, I think about complimenting what he does. So if he's going to shout, then I might not shout. I might just fall back and play the low key because it might be annoying for two of us to be <laughs> shouting for five minutes straight on the record. You know what I mean? I think about, you know, the song craft and how to just make it just a, a, a great song with the pieces that we have. That's definitely been a conscious effort of mine moving forward with the arm with the arm and hammer projects yeah and actually i think now that i'm thinking about it what they said about this latest album was that exactly to your point that's how you know you kind of have in the past been a little louder in your delivery and the yeah. urgency felt different on this album it was actually you could like feel it in bubbling under the surface but you were especially on songs like you know like the track with uh more mother and Sifu, I think that one especially, like you're very meditative a lot of times on this album and, and not mm -hmm. doing that as much. The production choices definitely sort of push me in that direction, but it's also something that I've been exploring um, just in my own music, just sort of doing something a little different, just stretching my voice in, in different ways other than shouting, because that actually is the easiest. That's how I started rapping, you know? my earliest recordings, I am screaming. It's a lot of words <laughs> and I'm screaming almost unintelligibly. So yeah, that that's the easy part. It's harder for me to, to lay back and control and to lay in a pocket and to actually just be complimentary to the music versus shouting over it. 
you know? So it's just just different different tools that I'm pulling out at different points in time. But understand I never lost it. <laughs> I never lost it. Yeah, I feel like that you kind of were speaking on it. I just think, uh, Lucid, you got that larger-than-life presence vocally, and you're just so adventurous with how you rap. And the way you write, too, is this very you know, impressionistic, especially I feel recently since like Bessie onward, especially. And then Mm -hmm. that contrasts so nicely with what you do, Woods, which is just you're much more grounded and, uh, you know, matter of fact sometimes in the way you rap. But there's still that connection thematically and, you know, whatever the direction of the song is. And it just makes this really cool one two punch where you're almost like recontextualizing the same kind of ideas, but in different ways. It just mm-hmm. makes it like infinitely listenable, in my opinion. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. Yeah. And, you know, I have a Patreon question here from Trey Does. He's asking, how do you guys come to an agreement on the creative direction for an album? And are there any pr- projects where it feels like one of you took the lead, per se? Hmm. I think we just talk. We just talk. We just ask questions about what we think about things. And if we like it, then we like it. And if we don't like it, then we just kind of like put it to the side. And sometimes that those ideas get picked up later to be used for a group thing. Or sometimes, you know, it might get restructured or sometimes it might go to a solo thing. But it's definitely clear and open communication about the projects here. I think that's I think that's where we're going to start. at. Yeah. Yeah, that seems accurate. Yeah. And like I feel with the we can get now to this this new album here. We buy die bag test strips. I feel like the thing I took a lot of things from this album, but one just being that it's a very emotionally affecting album. It's very ethereal, meditative, but also really hella dynamic. So it's giving you a lot in just like the 53 minutes of the runtime. And starting with that title, as a Canadian person here, the album title "We Buy Diabetic Test Strips," you know, maybe for your American fan base, it like induced a reaction. But for me personally, when I first saw that, I was just like, "I don't know what that means. <laughs> what, is this a euphemism? Was, like, I don't understand." But I think for the majority of people, that would be yeah, yeah, be the case. You know, it's like a very um, uh, it 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 is it, it was a little probably hyper localized. Just because you gotta also think there's only so many places in America where it's worth your time to put up as much sort of street advertisement as New York, you know, guerrilla street advertisement, just as a person sitting in your house thinking up your crazy schemes, or a group of people in some semi-illegal enterprise, you know, like I feel like here is where there's enough foot traffic. The same reason the graffiti culture had its peak here you know what i mean there's people to see it and if you see album artwork it kind of extends to a bunch of different stuff like that you know that um you just encounter in your daily moving about the cityscape it's funny uh chaz because i saw today i saw the that dude with the like ride the subway for free thing yeah yeah there's a new there's a new bunch of them up on Atlantic, which is also so weird because he puts them on Atlantic. There are no subways there. 
Yes, it's like where people see them a car. I mean, I'm walking and I see them, so maybe he knows something I don't. Yeah. Maybe Shout out I DJ Juice. I only see them there. It's like, yo, want to learn how to ride the subway without paying? <laughs> That is hilarious. And shout out A. Richter for the, the beautiful photography that accompanies yeah, this album. So, always, always, yes. So that was the, the starting point was something that we had talked about and encountered in our like day-to-day where I just called him before we were ever like, let's make this an album. And been like, do you know what this, you know, what is it? What's the, that'd be interesting stuff. And so I'm like, well, what? I kept seeing we buy diabetic test strips on these signs and things where I was like, all right, let me investigate it. And then find out what it was about. It was just really interesting. And it just kind of stuck in my mind and I talked to him about it. So when we started doing the album, I was like, what do you think of this as an idea? Like, yeah, that works. Yeah. I feel that as the backdrop was a really fitting title because, you know, it just naturally evokes concepts of like survival and how people, you know, need to navigate regular life to make ends meet. And, you know, it has ties to, you know, political system in the U.S., particularly with the commodification of healthcare. I think it was a, a really fitting title for, you know, what are the what the topics in the subject matter of the album. And the absurdity. The absurdity. And the absurdity that's yeah, what, exactly. That's what the absurdity. First. Yeah. The absurdity is what struck me first because I step outside and you see something and my mind just fills with questions and wonder, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's repeated, you know, I'm walking or I'm driving and I'm just, see, I constantly see it. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And then, you know, all those other things that you said, you know, you just peel back the onion and, and see the, all the different layers and all these things that, you know, it's, it, it can represent. And when you start to think of it that way, it is the perfect Arm and Hammer album title because that's our albums always. That's that's our songs, you know? It's always a few different layers to a song's concept. Yeah, and, and on that topic, like what would you say for this album specifically was like the connective tissue that binded these songs together, like thematically speaking? Um, I guess I would say on this record, I would say one of the interesting things was I don't think that there was an overarching thematic idea, which, although there's always a lot, a lot of room, other times I think might have come down onto one or two or three things a little bit tighter. Here, it was as though there were a couple of different things that were all running along parallel tracks and um, and also sometimes branching out in different ways like veins in a leaf you know um and i think what what tied it together was less of an overarching idea than a sentiment perhaps and i think sometimes also to be honest i think that that's sometimes where in an album sequencing comes in a lot there's a journey in there and you go on that journey and that is in it, it, it its own instead of it all having to add up to one thing it's like any trip that you take where you you know you could take an amtrak ride somewhere and in the course of that ride you know have all sorts of different think about the future think about the past 
Think about some people who almost got in a fight in front of you, cute girl sat next to you, miss your family. Like all of these things can happen. So it's like having that journey that is the album be well crafted and paced and sequenced is important. I think there are lots of different themes within the album, but I don't think that there's an overarching theme from my personal perspective. I mean, I agree. Um, I don't think, think, think that there are overarching themes existing on this record. I did like one idea about the idea of communication and networks. I did think about that. You know, that kind of plays out in the interludes. Mm -hmm. No, there's um, definitely things. No, don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's one thing that's, that's like an obvious one that kind of plays out that people, you know, if you say it and then you, you know, hear it, it's like right there for, for people. Um, and then there are things that, you know, you just have to dive a little deeper. But on the surface, like, I think that's like right there. This idea of communication and networks. And what do you mean by that specifically? Because that was going to be something I wanted to ask about with the telephone motif being one of the most obvious ways this plays out. Like, could you elaborate on that idea a bit? Um, well, I guess the the idea, the sign, the original sign, we buy diabetic test strips, right? Like, we all were like, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And notice how no one said, I called the number, right? So it's just like, it's this information that you just kind of throw away. We're kind of we're encountering with that shit all the time. But one day I did call the number. <laughs> one day I did call the number. And then, you know, talking to this person for all of five minutes or whatever. Wow. You know, just realizing like, wait, this this is a real thing for people. There are, you know, who how however many customers this person may have, but it's an actual world that I know nothing about. And I think that's pretty cool, you know, because it exists in plain sight. And I walk past it every day. But it's meant for those that it's meant for. Also a tie into what Arm & Hammer does, right? Like we're not, we've never attempted to, to be anything that we're not. And people that fuck with it, fuck with it. And I love that. So this idea of the network, even a secret or hidden network is, is this underground sort of economy is like just endlessly interesting to me, I think. Yeah, that's really, I love the way you say that. That does tie in really nicely with what you guys do. And I think that idea has a lot of wings and, different ways that you guys took that and I feel to this album specifically like I also that was my takeaway unlike most of your albums I didn't have this like one main prevailing idea or sentiment or like feeling even it was more so just like a set of ideas that did add up to something it was just a lot less yeah, specific I, yeah. I guess like you could just neatly tie it up yeah the album is sprawling both sonically and thematically and like that that is cool and like i said I, I i agree there are ideas of communication there's questions of of the self and there's uh there's a wealth of internal dialogue for sure that's on this album and the question of who who am i really a face behind the mask behind the face Yes. Because <laughs> that's to the world or even to yourself. Yeah. So there's a lot of different themes. And I guess to me, if anything, I kind of would look at this album like a, a, a short story collection, not even because it's that narrative, because more so just in the vibe of 
sometimes a, an author has a you read somebody's short story collection and it's not like all of the stories were about the same things but they there was a journey in there and there was a sort of um, overarching palette and feel and texture to what they were saying where you're like it added up to more than the sum of its parts and i feel like that hopefully is the case here i love that and i i tend to really love those kind of stories those like uh novella type styles where it's kind of a little less clear what it's how it all connects but there is a there is some kind of through line and you know there's ideas of like existentialism I feel like especially with how the sonics were kind of captured and and portrayed on this album, like the slipperiness of time and memories is really clear to me, both in some of the lyrics on some songs, but also just even in the way like songs transition, it almost feels like you're like waking up from a dream sometimes. There's this mm. very interesting ethereal kind of dream, like, like again, sequence to this album where I don't feel like I've gotten that from your past records as much like there's a super strong surrealism which makes mm -hmm. this like the fact that there's a lot of different ideas at play almost even more interesting because i'm kind of like i'm just kind of in a trance i'm just like i don't understand but this is hitting Steve me. rohan you get it you get it man <laughs> <laughs> you get it you know yeah i i feel like you know you're, you're pretty spot on with that because that's what you're saying is definitely some of my intentions when I'm sitting back to tool tool up the album or, you know, add, you know, some of the work on some of these interludes or choosing production or how I'm going to flip the vocals. Like it all leads back to what, what you're saying, things that I've been experimenting with in production and finally got a chance to like really flesh out and layer here with, with these other fine folks here and Woods, you know, doing the sequencing, it, it really, you know, we had a chance to really like luxuriate and indulge in these ideas and uh you know i think we did something special there with that what the same thing yesterday all white more dingy head full of lightning a signal in the noise fake trees in the apple store a double portion of protection for me and my niggas i'm trying to only say what's necessary should i play it again but no we asked already Many multiplicities, living every mystery. I'm come if you sent for me. Under the moon in a place to bury, sweating through silk feeling small. Let's get into that production because that's one of the most remarks remarkable things about this record. Is not only just how great the beats are, but how seamless these this live instrumentation from the We Buy Diabetic Test Strips players were blended into these beats. So for those that are not familiar with the context, you had, from what I understand, hours of jam session material from that was led by you elucid with talented instrumentalists such as shabaka hutchings of sons of Komet, max aka child actor and just many many more and you sent those recordings to the various producers on this album for them to you know incorporate in their in their beats and i feel like what's really cool about the way that these beats sound is that they feel really alive they they incorporate instrumental elements in a way that it still feels like a traditional sample based beat, mm -hmm. which is something mm -hmm. that like, so at like you're a peek behind the curtain here through the grapevine, like months ago, I heard that this album had like live instrumentation. And I was like, okay, I trust you guys. But I was like, 
I don't know. I was thinking like the roots. I was thinking like that live instrumentation. I'm just like, yeah. I don't know if that's like, okay, let's see. But right. the way it sounds here is fucking incredible. And I just want to understand like what inspired this instrumental jam session idea to start and the approach overall to build the musical backbone for this album in this way. Woods, I think you should have that with you because it kind of started with a conversation between him and DJ Preservation, if I'm not mistaken. It was funny because initially Preservation had mentioned it to me. This is way back after Atheops is done. I must be working on church. He was like, what are you guys doing? I, I had mentioned it. We were doing something. And he was like, you know what I think you guys should do? Some point is like get with some live music. And I was like, oh, you know, that's real interesting, the stuff he was saying. And it wasn't stuff that was, like, unbelievable, but it was interesting. And it all kind of coincided with me and Shabaka and Elucid all working together more. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's interesting. And we had done a few songs for this, and we're, I kind of thought, you know what, we're going to do this one album, and then we're going to do a whole album with live production where we could some sort of interplay between uh, sample-based producers and live production hadn't really figured it out, but I discussed it with Chaz. And then the second person to bring it up after we kind of were like, you know what? Then what happened was we were like, what are we doing next after we had a couple songs? Because I initially thought, man, we'll make them two different albums. And then I thought, you know what? We should just do that now. Yeah, because we had the JPEG songs recorded. We had a bunch of JPEG songs recorded. Not all of them, but a bunch. Yeah, we had several. Yeah. And um, and we were like, what should we do now? And then it was like, all right, what if we do this? That, that might be interesting. And so then we headed down that road, especially. And, you know, that's something that was definitely just also greatly influenced by the fact that we know Shabaka. Yeah. You know, so you're like, oh, one of the best, you know, musicians alive mm -hmm. in the world, uh is happy to like come and do some shit for you you know you have to take advantage of that and that's really how it happened um and then it just kind of built out from there so initially i thought they were going to be two separate things and then it just kind of became the same thing but it, it made sense once we were doing it oh did i mention andrew broder you did not Okay, then the funny thing is, once we're doing it, right? approach <laughs> us literally like we had just kind of approached Shabaka and laid down everything, and Broder was like, uh, I don't know who if you know who he is, but a great producer lives in Minnesota, and he was like, I have this particular band that he works with. He had this whole concept, and it was a dope idea. And we're like, yo, that is a really good idea, but we're kind of already doing something similar to that. And he was like, okay, cool. You know, just keep me in your mind if you decide you want to do it at some other time. So that was the funny thing about it because it was like those two, I, like Preservation saying something, Broder saying something, were probably only like four or five months apart. Wow. And, you know, like, I feel like this album is really the first rap album I've heard in quite a while where I felt genuinely perplexed and confused with how it sounded. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, I, and I have a palette now I'm, I'm comfortable to say is pretty vast these days and not just rap in a lot of different genres. But the way that you guys really push the envelope 
with the production you sourced with it's just again it's very ethereal and super surreal in the details shout out willie green i know obviously he had a a major part in all those little fine details but what overall kind of pushed you guys even outside of the instrumental sessions like that didn't net that doesn't necessarily equal an album that sounds as experimental as this one does so like what pushed you guys to really want to go in this direction musically hmm. it had certain things that it's like you you start in a direction and then you keep going down and exploring where it's going and obviously here there were a lot of interesting early pieces to it from these live musicians and just wide spectrum of producers that were giving those pieces of music to to the stuff jpeg was sending us that already then once we're once you branch further into that world that's already pretty broad and and intriguing and um i think the one thing that happened on this record was there was more sort of uh building songs as they went now and i want to be careful because i don't want to make it seem like oh, once you brought live musicians in, everything was totally different. There are lots of songs in this where we, you know what I mean? Producer sent us a beat, we rapped to it, and bing, bang, boom, it was done. And I love that. There's not, oh, the end result is all that matters. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, there was definitely a good amount of stuff here where we um, allowed ourselves to kind of go down the rabbit hole a little bit. So you have songs like um, Don't Lose Your Job that turn in all sorts of different directions because we had already secured certain pieces and we have certain collaborators and we are open to doing certain things where it's like, okay, well, let's just see what happens, you know? And there were lots of places where um, Pierce on uh uh money nigga on y'all can't stand right here y'all can't stand right here where it's like we would do things and have a proto song together and then you say all right well what else somebody wants okay can we get the producers to create extensions or to beat bridges transitions where we can accommodate some of these other ideas and just build off of things. The songs involved a lot more, um, not all of them, but there were definitely building of songs here where um, I was just like, all right, hey, create some sort of a shift here because we got Pierce, he's ready to go. They want to do something on it. Like, do what you need to do. And we were just really open to that. All the way down, even to something like Supermoon, where um, a lot of post-production stuff that Elusa did on that song adds to its ethereal qualities and what I feel like is a transitional role it plays in how the album moves. I think that I totally agree with that. And I think what you're saying is just that what I heard is the song structure was really, just really ambitious on this album. And it makes a lot of these beats feel like there's always some form of like transformation, some form of movement. There's rarely beats feel stagnant. There's just like a, 
a lively juice to it to it all and i think you guys also give a lot more space to the instrumentals on these records mm-hmm. than i can remember which is uh different for you guys and uh uh you know like yeah overall i just think there's a boldness to this album that i, I love so much I'm, I'm reminded of some things curly castro said when he joined our our uh rmpp patreon uh, listening party which we did for this record was phenomenal if you guys are interested you guys got to check that out anybody listening super fun castro was there giving us all these little like behind the scenes like little information and he said about this album is that it's your most ostentatious arm and hammer album yet it's on some like cl smooth pete rock type shit with this <laughs> element of groove that you can dance to which is unlike your past records and i i couldn't agree more it's just it sounds incredible Fire. yeah i think you know just working with a lot of great people but having the time it took time to to build things and thankfully you know we have and the people we work with it's very easy to be overindulgent with these sorts of things you hear people of you know, taking a long time to create songs and then you hear it and you'd be like, that was shitty. Like, you know, that didn't need to. But I think that we took time and we were able to like use the right colors to give people something that, you know, resonates with them. And also having access to and the willing and happy collaboration of this level of talented people is like... Yeah, we're working with the finest. It's a lot. It's a lot. You know, there's yeah. no mistake to be made when you like find yourself in situations where um, you're combining sort of new people who are accomplished geniuses in their own levels with people who are genius collaborators of yours already. Mm-hmm. And they... You know, you know, you can sit down and be like, yo, I need you to make this work. Somebody like Steel Tip Dove and Willie Green, you know, people who we've known for a long time and who are like, all right, I'll just Jeff Markey, like, okay, I'll sit down and try to do this. And you can tell me it's not exactly right or whatever that you couldn't necessarily make with somebody you didn't really know. Yeah, I think this album really feels like a fruits of your own fruits of your labor were reaped, like because pretty much every single person on this record is someone that makes sense that you've worked with or toured with or it's just uh, none of it's random. Well, we didn't, you know, but it's just it's it's not a lot of people who can be like. LP, DJ Haram, Preservation, August Fanon, JPEG Mafia all got together to help me make an album mm-hmm. said pudge like pudge is really crazy yeah they've been around for a while but i hadn't heard a lot of their music years until uh they did betamax for uh, i told bessie and that just is one of my all-time favorite elusive songs all time and um and then yeah when when we when we were working on um when it doesn't start with a kiss that was really my greatest contribution to that song, more so than my verse. Was probably being like, I think Pudge can like we can bring him on board here, and this is going to be wild. It was fucking wild. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm thinking also something Castro said just to wrap up that idea of collaboration. This was very like it said it reminded him of like the Dungeon Family, just getting like just this all star cast of people of like-minded individuals that, you know, just packed full of soul all coming together, just making something so incredible. And 
I couldn't agree more. Shout out Curly Castro, man. Yeah, he was dropping some some gems. So I know that like I can imagine picking a a favorite Arm and Hammer album within your catalog is like picking children. That's what artists always say about their music, favorite children. But I'm curious more specifically to at least ask like what's one aspect of this album that you feel the most proud of that you feel like was the 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 very well executed, whether it be like beat selection, lyrical content, sequencing, etc. I guess I feel like, um, I mean, I do feel like it is really, really well sequenced. I do feel that way. But I also feel like Arm & Hammer albums often are. This one I will say because I think there's so many different directions it takes that it really needed to be sequenced properly to avoid seeming like a mess, you know, or like we tried to do too much. Um, and just, uh, yeah, you're talking about in comparison to the other records. Yeah, but just generally. For me, that's such a big picture thing. It's kind of like each record, it kind of comes down to the same thing, which is like seeing a vision through and hoping that at the end you're going to get there and it's going to be what you wanted it to be, even if it isn't what you thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah, for me, with this record, like, I'm I'm proud of this record. I'm proud of all my records. But I feel like with this record was the record that when it was done, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. Like, I liked it. I know that in the moment of recording, I trusted in those moments that what I did, I felt was good. I felt it was honest. I felt like in the performance, like I connected to a place that like that I've been to before when making other records. You know what I mean? I, I trusted in those moments, but I was like, I don't know about this record. It felt sprawling in a way that I hadn't, you know, hadn't made music before. Shrines is probably the last record where we kind of had this many people involved, or but it's a very different record than Shrines. It came together in a very different way. I also feel like in this in the making of this record, I felt like I wanted more time <laughs> to like really kind of tool away and do more things, which probably wasn't maybe the best idea in hindsight. You know, it's it's looking pretty good right now, but so maybe that that wouldn't have been the right move. But yeah, I feel like I'm proud of this record, but it's definitely one of those records that when it was done, I wasn't sure where it would stack up against other Arm and Hammer records. And I just knew that I liked what I did, but I was like, how are people really going to receive this? I wasn't sure. And that may have been also, you know, attributed to, you know, it's it's on a different label, um, knowing that it could potentially, it will get more reach than, you know, a lot of Arm & Hammer records. But there was definitely that that trepidation at the end of this record and a little bit of like, what's going on here? I'm kind of anxious that I don't really feel about other records that I've made. Yes, I would agree with that. I'd also say that in bringing this album to the market, there were things we had to confront being in a different, with a different label that required at times like last minute decisions about track listings or changing songs or other things. And also, yeah, it's kind of like when we're doing things on backwards, you can kind of be like, we said we, finish it then but you know you're the most important thing happening on backwards so you know one of them so it's like it's not done and you just 
keep cooking. Nobody's going to be like, got to get it out, as opposed to situations where it's like a whole bunch of moving parts have already been set in motion. Yeah. Even like, I need an extra two weeks puts a lot of stress on various parts of the system. So that was that was all different. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, especially to Lucy, what you were saying, probably, or at least I hope for you, that this may have kind of like added to your confidence in the fact that, you know, you had this anxiety and yet you went through with it and it seems like the results were pretty damn great. So maybe you'll kind of trust your gut even more in the future. Oh yeah. Y'all, y'all can't, y'all can't tell me nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it feels, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling to have, you know, when you're doubting yourself about, you know, things you have going on in your life and then you get to the other side of it and you would just kind of. Well, hold on. Rohan, aren't you actually saying the opposite? What do you mean? Well, his gut was telling him he wasn't sure. I don't know if that was his gut because he was saying in the moment he trusted in the process and it felt well, good and felt moment. honest. I don't think that was his gut. I don't think that sounds like your mind kind of activating and then like kind of like responding to fear. Oh, if somebody was like, oh, well, I'm, you know, as I was getting as as my wedding was happening, I was wondering if I was making the right decision. We'd say that's your gut. <laughs> OK, I don't wow. I don't know if that <laughs> is a proper comparison. Awesome. I don't know what to think. <laughs> You know, or I guess you could argue maybe that's your head. That's what, yeah, a lot of times that's mm-hmm. what they call cold feet, Yeah, I think feet, I was in right? my head. I think I was in my head. That's the whole thing. Like you're kind of overthinking it, you know. The anxiety comes from your head, not your gut. I feel like that's what people say after the fact. <laughs> because listen, listen, if the album, if everyone's like, man, this isn't good. Then you'd feel like, man, in my gut, I knew. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, know? okay, I see what you mean. Then, it's kind of confirmation say, bias. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Confirmation bias of what happens after the fact. Okay, that's fair. I think that was a fair challenge. I'll say this then. Elucid, you're the only one who can actually answer that question because I'm only going off your words and maybe true, true, true. You, know, you do some introspection. Even he can only answer it in hindsight, which is necessarily already tainted. No, but I, I also I also said, I also said, you know, I trusted in the moments while recording this album, while making, you know, while writing these verses, while recording it, I, I trusted in the moment. So that's my gut right there. Like in those moments, that, those I knew are the individual what I'm doing. But that's real, but, though. But that's but the real. anxiety, the anxiety came from my head after it's all done. Like, is this really good? You know, those moments, agree. those intrusive thoughts where it's just like, is this really good? Is this as good as I as I felt it was when I made it? You know what I'm saying? Because every time I, rec- I went to the studio and I came back, I was like, this is fire. Right. But then three months down the line, six months down the line. But those I think it's different because also I know that those are individual parts. Mm-hmm. So like doing them individually is different from being like, how does this all tie together? Obviously, it doesn't suck. We're not going to make something that's like terrible. But you're thinking, okay, you know, it's the standard of how do things, like, is it on that level? And then also, I think I know that there were, we we finished, we had a deadline that we had to make and we made it. And then after that, had to make changes for other reasons. Mm-hmm. And like in retrospect, it's like all good, but some of them were pretty fraught in the moment because you've been Shout spending out the time on what? I'm kept saying, shout out to Delphonics, man. Sample clearances. 
That wasn't even the bad one, but I don't even know. Why. I know that one just stuck out to me first, man. <laughs> but yeah, there are a couple things that you know change for a variety of reasons, and and things that you didn't plan on that you did. That then you're like, I, and I think that that's part of it. Is this was a challenging album to like put together at the end, even though you're like, oh, I have a lot of dope pieces and I like this. And at that point, we were definitely under like uh, time stress. Yeah, no, I can definitely see what you're saying about it not being it, about the fact that, you know, you can you can trust how you're feeling in the moment. It's different when you're putting together an album because it's kind of a series of small moments. Yeah, you could, you could be having fun hanging out. With, like you could really care about somebody and still at the moment when you were getting married, be like, is this what I should be doing in this? is this a bad decision for me in that moment? And like, whether it's your gut or your head will all depend on that outcome. It's my personal, that's my personal opinion. Man, that's a, oh, I'm reading, I'm reading about this stuff right now, trying to get over my own stuff. And this is really piquing my interest in different ways. But uh, <laughs> I don't, I think I need to keep that off the air for now. You know, like if, if like if, if, if Pete Carroll, if that pass doesn't get intercepted in the Super Bowl, Pete would say, I trust. I mean, the funny thing is Pete says he would still call the same play. Yeah, he's dead. That's because he's fucking <laughs> trying to defend himself Pete, right? from the worst decision ever. But maybe it, it, it he he felt like it was true in the moment. And so I it's mean, like, all right, if it succeeds, everyone would be like, wow, he just knew. <laughs> it was, yeah. That was just him seeing a, that, that. I think schematically, that's the that was the check. But you never actually should run that shit ever. So, but when it works, that just uh, that's giving me flashbacks. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Admittedly, niggardly, I won't even give these niggas bad energy. I peep, then committed to memory. I sleep knowing these niggas is dead to me. I eat knowing I'm starving my enemies. The appetite bittersweet, no pleasure. My heart pump ketamine. My heart pump ketamine. When you have it, it's not about fast or slow. It's the flow of traffic. Talk to you blue in the face, bro. It's like UPS, they still gonna fuck up. One thing I'm curious about before we move on for this album, what are your like, what's a favorite song if you can pick one of this album? So many. Switchboard. Let's go for Switchboard. Yeah, that's mine too. That's mine. Yeah. Shout out Seb Bash. Shout out Seb Bash. I think that's the second time, Lucid, when I interviewed you the first time, I think we were talking about Bunny Chow and those exact mm -hmm. words were uttered and it's just as mm -hmm. valid now. Oh, dude's incredible. He's, you know, when he makes music, it's definitely on another frequency. And he's just like an out of this world kind of talent. I think the way that like what we were talking about, kind of like the themes of this album, like I think that song really mm -hmm. was super, super encapsulated a lot of that because just like some of the refrains, your verse elucid, and then kind of like the way Seb Bash had that like really high pitched string moment where in like that outro sort of woods verse, mm -hmm. it's and man that one line that's super unsettling that like haunts me to this day is just that like part woods where you're saying like voice said you pretending to be grieving and chuckled yes i swear there used to be different seasons that part too like it's something about it just like super unsettling to me with the music especially behind that the music heightens it for sure that's another song where um there were a couple of that and when it doesn't start with the kiss where lucy kind of did his thing first and then afterwards, that one, I went to Seb and was like trying to get him to like 
I was like, this is so dope after the Lucid had already set it off and set everything up. And I was like, you know, but you're feeling the vibes of what we're doing. I was like, maybe you can take some of these live parts and do something with them on the second half, you know? Cause like, yeah, we're in, we're just being ambitious and being like, wow, we just try to do stuff. And also Elucid is just so completely ethered the first part of the song. I was like, where can we take where they'll make it better? And Seb was kind of resistant and I was like, well, just see. And we sent him some stuff and he was like, ah, not really working. I made some stuff, but I didn't love it. And I was like, well, you have time. Just, you know, keep tinkering away. You might, you know, whatever. And then he sent another version. And uh, I was like, wow, this is incredible. And I finished what I was writing and recorded it, you know, adjusted to what he had done. And then I was in Amsterdam with Alchemist. And I'm, or I was in Amsterdam with, by myself, I guess. Yeah, I was by myself. And um, Al was there with Seb. And I met them at this record store, Platypus. And we were just hanging out, smoking weed and looking at records. And I was like, Al was like, yo, he played me the songs crazy. Mm-hmm. Al is supposedly known who said that this. Al was like, this guy is the best producer. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's better than me. He's the best. And so then I was like, well, we'll give him, you know, what's going on? And so then he 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 came through and, and that's how he ended up on a Lucid's album. And anyway... So I was like, yo, I heard the song, it's crazy, da, da, da. And I was like, yeah, Seb, you really flipped it. And then I brought up something about him. I was like, I don't even know what you did with those parts. And he was like, oh, I didn't use that stuff. He, he, he like went and found other shit to sample and just like built the other. He didn't ever use the live instrumentation that I kind of been pushing him to use, but he had found ways to sim I'm not a producer he's a genius I don't need to be sitting here trying to explain the main point is beat is phenomenal and so like every time I saw Al for like whatever long amount of time every time I saw him he'd bring the song I just saw him he brought the song up again (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that 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 is up there and I would say when it doesn't start with a kiss but also Siri. Siri maybe Siri is one of my favorites. There's yeah. a lot. Though. There's a lot though. Um I really feel really strongly about the kids under the map. I think that, that I think that, that song is incredible. And Block Call is uh was the the latest edition, maybe? Another song had to be taken out for a variety of reasons and and then that one got put in there and uh it was recorded late and I just it, it I, I yeah, I really fuck with it. And yeah, that that block call was amazing to hear live uh whenever you were in Toronto recently. That shit was crazy. Yeah, I think uh you know, like I noticed also something on this album a lot of times. You guys are really manipulating your voice a lot. Was that like your decision or your direction, or was that kind of like a producer slash Willie Green move to like really manipulate your voices a lot on this album? Yeah, I mean, I do post production on everything that you hear me on. So if you hear it, yeah, I made I made the decision. It was clearly intentional, and sometimes you know I can bring it to Willie Green and we can enhance it. But yeah, that's always in you know the forefront of my mind after 
things are recorded. Are you referring specifically to Siri? Siri, Switchboard, oh, yeah, with was like Supermoon, like a lot, because it happens a lot for both of you Absolutely. Guys. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm just into um, vocal production. I'm into textures, you know, as a compliment to, you know, song craft. I'm just super into that, 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 that side of uh, post-production. I can geek out on, uh, you know, on gear all day long, uh, thinking about how to like transform sound into something else. And again, that goes back to me just like having time to like luxuriate in the sound of this record and just trying to paint with new colors. It was clearly, it was definitely intentional there. Okay. So before we wrap up, I kind of just want to have like, uh, ask you one more, just kind of like larger, more overarching question, you know, with the release of this album, which I think has gotten some of the, maybe the most rave reviews any of your Arm & Hammer records are, I feel like it's definitely up there, if not the most. I feel like it's safe to say that there's a lasting legacy for Arm & Hammer that's being built in real time right now. So like, what what would you like to what would you like Arm & Hammer to be rem- remembered by like 50 years from now when it's all said and done? I mean, for me, it's always just great work, you know? It's always just great work and um, and showing an ability to always keep getting after it, you know, hunger. Yeah, same. I do like the adjective uncompromising as well. <laughs> mm. I think you guys definitely would have already achieved that, but anything that you want to shout out in relation to you know like upcoming work merch tour dates or anything else just more generally backwards i definitely would like to say um there's lots of people who we work with who uh have their own workout that really dope and they play a big part in what we do from people like child actor fielded i think put out a really great record plus one a few weeks ago and um, that features me and Elucid and fucking half of the people we all know, mm-hmm. right? And um, Steel Tip Dove plays a big role in things that we do that oftentimes isn't noted enough. Willie Green plays an enormous role that anybody who knows us must know. Not that Shabaka needs any help promoting his stuff, but uh, just how great it was to collaborate with him. And then the stuff we did for his Kofi Flex project. That was crazy. Uh, Somebody like LP, you know, being able to work with him was really amazing. It's not like he needs to do that. Yeah, and then even just something as simple as like Messiah Music being on a project at the last minute, you know, it's been such a part of uh, everything Arm & Hammer has really done that it 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 was cool for that to happen. Um, Jungle Pussy, you know, just being motivated to do two tracks. We went to it for one feature and just like, I want to knock both of these out. More Mother always being down to rap for us. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. I know. <laughs> do nothing like that. Together for us. You just got to get a beat that rap over. And for introducing us to DJ Haram and, you know. Yep. Yeah. 700 Bliss. Same thing with Sifu, you know, we've collaborated before and everything, but um, he really, really stepped, uh, he really stepped up and did that in the middle of a hectic touring schedule. And I think the man has twins. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So, you know, say no more. Um, But yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of great 
great talented people. Jeff Markey, Adi Meyerson, Kayana, Yolanda Watson. Soka, Dream Crusher. There are a lot of people. JPEG Mafia, honestly, got to give it up to JPEG. Really came through and did all the things he said he would do. And He uh, did, absolutely. Yeah, started like bookending the album too was just huge. It just added such a to the sequencing point again. Just such good consistency to start and end the album like that. Yeah, and um just dope. Great, great, great producer. And um I don't really know him personally like that, but uh I I I can always appreciate when um you know ultimately uh we're able to make positive things happen out of potentially negative situations, especially if it's not even serious, you know? Yeah. And everything gets worked out and make great music. And that that guy's had a year, obviously, with the record with Danny Brown, too. Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> Lucid, remember the thing about the legs that he... Yo, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> I was just thinking about those pants. What is this? I'm going to Google those right now. <laughs> Shout out JPEG Mafia's pants, man. That guy has a serious wardrobe. I don't know if those can be called pants. <laughs> Are they pants that like look like they're you're looking at his legs or something? I don't even understand what you're I don't think they're that. pants. I feel like they're like prosthetics. You think it's a mold? No, I think they were pants, but like it was like a, like a 3D print of like a prosthetic white man's legs. <laughs> I think it's a, I don't think they were pants. I feel like you'd have to describe them as prosthetics, but I might be wrong. It's definitely like a prosthetic vibe. That's that's that seems to be the vibe in, in rap fashion. I've been noticing, I've been watching y'all. There's a lot of prosthetic things going on here. You say um, prosthetic? I don't even prosthetics, yeah. Like, is that a that's a trend these days? I feel like I feel like we're we're, we're entering this is my my trend forecast. I feel like we're entering an era where you you might see it a little bit more. You know, I think we might see it a little bit more. Tizo touchdown comes to mind. JPEG Mafia's pants come to mind. We're in the BBL craze. I I feel like we're just gonna. I feel like this. Yeah, I feel like we're just gonna cut, keep seeing it. Keep keep this in sorts of like body modification fashions. I feel like we we're kind of gonna see it a couple more times, maybe. We'll see. But yeah, he definitely they were pretty cool, especially on a black guy with white man prosthetic leg pads. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it says a lot about his personality, which I love. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it were definitely pants though. Was I think it was just a print. It's a really good print of uh of that. <laughs> I'm gonna find them. I'm gonna find these pants, man. Oh my God, please do. Yeah, is there anybody else you want to, anything you want to shout out, Lucid? Nah, shout out to everybody that was there on that record there. Woods, 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 Woods nailed everybody. Um, I'm honored to work with some of the best. Shout out to you, Rohan, for like the continued like support and interest in like what we do. I like your interviews. I like the questions you ask. I like the energy you give off. So shout out to you for taking the time with us, man. That's, that's very flattering. Thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, I just have to say it goes without saying you already know this, but like this is definitely, you know, album of the year candidate. But I mean, I'll go as far as to say I don't I pardon the hyperbole, but this is like the best thing that I feel like at least my favorite thing you guys have ever done. 
period. Definitely as Arm and Hammer and maybe even solo. And I hope you understand how much of a statement that is coming from me, given my like appreciation for your catalogs. But this is just blew me away. I had high expectations, but like I never expected this. And yeah, I just want to say that I I just love the the creativity, the thoughtful perspective and this like deep, deep appetite to just push yourself and to continue being hungry and uncompromising, as you said, and uh, also appreciate the time just coming on the show, because I know you guys have been really busy and, you know, navigating your own personal lives and stuff like that. So no, just, we want I to really make it right. It. We want to make it right for you. Thank you for, for being flexible with us. Yeah, yeah, always, always. Yeah. And uh, shout out to some of the people you mentioned to uh, Pink Sifu. He'll be coming on the show, actually. Like, hopefully you'll see him publicly Fire. November 1st. Um, that'll be fun. And then Blockhead, he's got that really dope album. I'm excited to hear uh, dropping like in November. He'll be on the show later yeah. November, I think November 29th. So that's going to be super fun. Super fun. Bye. Bye. All right, then. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, and I'll see you, you guys in much. January. You guys are going to be coming to Toronto. I'll be there. All right. Yes. You live in Toronto. Fire. Thank you for the time, man. Peace out. Later. Good night. Everything that matters is finite hindsight before it happens. We were sitting on dynamite, blasting caps. Every conversation came with closed captions. If it's a question, go ahead and ask it. Possession nine-tenths, but obsessing over missing fractions. Princess in the P, but it's a block nine under the mattress. Valley of death in the shadow of those lashes. Passionate siren song, I should've been lashed to the mast. We locked in, flashing off, fashion for anything we could find. Double stabbing, all the poured out was sadness. Climbed the mountain together with the descent. So there we have it, another episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer. If you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible, it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new Rap Music Plug podcast Patreon. Through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, early access to episodes, and more. And above all though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just want to keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rapmusicplugpod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. But that's enough self-promotion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace. <laughs>